thank you for uh, tuning in with us today. Both of us will be speaking to you. Both of us will be uh, sharing our heart for you today and, and what we pray will be the heart of Jesus and the message that he has for his church. Um, but yeah, this is what, our fifth, sixth week of quarantine? I think, I think, I think 11th week of quarantine. 10,000th <laughs> week of quarantine. But uh, it doesn't stop being surprising. It doesn't stop being something uh, surreal that we are living through. And um, we've all felt very different things. And we've all reacted differently. We all process things differently. Um, I know that my parents shared this week uh, a story of when they went to Israel, on their first trip to Israel. And they went with other pastors and ministry leaders um, and one day, it was a Sabbath, and uh, they all went into this elevator, uh, fairly big elevator because it fit about like 19, 20 people inside. Um, and so they were just on the, on the limit of how many people could go in, and one of the pastors insisted that he could also fit. And so he, he went in, and not long after, the elevator got stuck. What happens is that they got stuck in that elevator for about two hours um, because it was a Sabbath and so people went around, there wasn't anybody to, to help them. And what happens is for two hours they're stuck in this elevator with lots of people. It's extremely hot in the midst of um, Israeli heat and so uh, people reacted really different. Um, my mom looked outside the window of the elevator, thankfully it was a glass uh, side, and so she's looking out into the city. She starts to sing and just visualize as if she was outside in freedom. <laughs> my dad is like uh, dismantling the elevator, <laughs> trying to find a solution, trying to speak in the intercom to the Jewish guy that didn't speak English. Um, this other pastor lost it and was freaking out, saying, I'm not going to die in this elevator. This is not God's will for my life. And other people were laughing. That would have been me, probably. I laughed in every situation, so I would have just been laughing at the whole situation. But the moral of the story is that everyone reacted very differently. Everyone had a very, in, in the midst of, of this crisis situation, everyone reacted very differently. And, um, and that's the truth of it, right? We're in this COVID-19 crisis and all of us will react differently. All of us will process differently. And the moral of the story is that we have to be patient with one another. We have different personalities. We have different backgrounds. We have um, just different ways of dealing with things. And so we need to be patient with one another in how we do that. In your home, in your own family, um, with your flatmates, your roommates, I'm sure that people have reacted differently and we need to be patient with one another. Um, but we all feel a lot of things. And I know that in the past 2,000 weeks of quarantine, um, I have felt different things. And I've had conversations with Ruben and with family members and with friends and I've seen on social media and on TV and on the news and, and how people are feeling so many different things and, and our emotions are like a roller coaster. And this week, as I, as I thought about our emotions and all those feelings that we feel, I started to question, well, where do these emotions come from? Why do we feel the way we feel and why do different people feel different things? And, and the conclusion that I came to is that our feelings are a product of an underlying foundation of belief systems and, and convictions that we hold. So we, we feel certain ways because we believe certain things. Our emotions are a product of this underlying foundation. And let me give you an example. So, um, going into marriage, we all have a, a belief system. We all have ideas or this, these, these uh, 
convictions that we hold about what marriage is. And I know that when I went into marriage, I had an underlying belief system of what I thought marriage should look like. And this belief system was based on the marriages that I saw in my family and in my friends. Uh, it was based on the movies that I watched, the TV shows that I watched. It was based on the scriptures that I read and how I interpreted those scriptures. And so I came into marriage and um, throughout marriage and throughout the past almost three years that we've been married, our tendency is to believe that marriage is about me, right? Especially in the first year of marriage. Our, our, our tendency is to believe that I came into this marriage because Reuben is going to fulfill me somehow. Reuben is going to meet some needs that I have to be loved, to be reassured. And so throughout these past three years, when that doesn't quite correspond, when the reality doesn't quite correspond with my expectation or my belief system of what should be, it creates some emotions. It sparks some usually negative emotions of feeling hurt or feeling annoyed or feeling irritated or frustrated um, or sad. And every time that Ruben and I have felt these feelings of sadness or of hurt, what happens is we have to go back, take, take a, a step back from our emotions, go back to the underlying foundation of what we believe marriage is about and question ourselves and question our emotions. And every time we've done that, what happens is when we go back to the foundation and we read scripture of what marriage is about, we realize, wait a minute, this marriage is not about me. Marriage is about serving the other and, and reaffirming the other and encouraging the other and honoring and loving the other. And all of a sudden, when we realign our belief system, when we realign our foundation of what we believe to be true with the word of God, perhaps, just maybe, it changes the way we feel. It changes our emotions. And I think that's what COVID-19 is doing to us. I think COVID-19 is putting us in a corner in a very uncomfortable, in a very direct way, questioning us when we feel all these emotions about, about being quarantined and all these emotions about not being able to do the things we were doing before. COVID-19 is making us go back to our foundation, go back to our belief system and our convictions about what our purpose is in life and reevaluate, reevaluate why why we're here on earth, reevaluate what we believe our lives are about. And perhaps I, I believe that, that maybe when we do that, when we go and do the work and we realign our foundation and our, co our core beliefs, perhaps it'll change the way we feel. And um, I believe that certain things that we've been going through during quarantine, certain things that, that we've been feeling in the past few weeks, at least in the context that we're living here in Portugal and in the church. I think that certain things have been harder than they should be or harder than they could be because perhaps our foundation and our belief about what our purpose here on earth is, is not fully aligned with the Word of God. And so my challenge for us and as we go throughout this message is to, to go back and to realign our purpose with what the Bible says our purpose is and I hope is that our emotions can change from that. So the Bible talks, and I want to go to Matthew chapter 7. So open your Bibles with me. Chapter 7, verse 24. So nice. <laughs> Jade's loving opening yeah. her Bible. <laughs> she has a really nice Bible. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Chapter 7. I'm actually going to start reading from uh, verse 26, and then I'm going to go back up to 24. So verse 26 says, 
But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And then go back to verse 24. But anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. So Jesus is talking about two types of people, and really I believe that there's two types of Christians. They look the same, as they say in India, same, same, but different. <laughs> That's as far as my Indian accent will go today. Um, they, they look the same. They go to the same church, these two guys or, or two girls, uh, two types of Christians. They go to the same church. They listen to the same podcast. They're, they're sitting there listening to the pastor preach. They go to the same Bible studies. They're part of the same uh, friends of, uh, circle or group of friends. Um, they look the same. But, but really they're different, and it's when the crisis hits, it's when the, the storm comes that their foundations are exposed. So let's look at the first, the first one that, that I read about in verse 26. This, this kind of Christian, the one who built his, his house on sand, this is the Christian that goes to church and, and he loves being a Christian. Oh God, I, I love you, I love that you're my God, I love this church, I love, I love being part of Bible study, I love these friends, they're such nice people. God, God, thank you for helping me, thank you for providing for me. He says, he just prays and, and he's so grateful for God. Thank you for giving me health, thank you for giving me provision, thank you for my friends. God, thank you for helping me pursue my ideal vision of what my life should look like. And God is like this compliment. God is like this big guy up in the sky, and he's a helper to help us pursue our own will. At the end of the day, it's not about God's will. It's about my will of the perfect life that I have as an ideal, the, the house that I want and the family that I want and the job that I want. And God, thank you for helping me re reach my, my goal and my will. The problem with that is that when the storms come, and when the winds come, and when crisis hits, and all of a sudden our plans aren't working out, this kind of person says, wait, wait a minute, God. It causes some frustration because the will that we wanted and the plan that we were pursuing, all of a sudden I'm stuck at home and I can't pursue that job anymore. I'm stuck at home and I can't pursue the relationships that I wanted anymore. Wait a minute, God, why are you going off script here? Wait a minute, God, what are you, this is not what we had agreed. What are you doing? And it causes some frustration. It causes some anger. It causes some hopelessness because all of a sudden what I thought my life should look like is not working out. And then we have the other type of Christian, and this is the Christian in verse 24 where Jesus says this Christian built his life on solid rock. And this is the Christian who goes to church. And he too, he prays and he, he sings the songs, he listens to the word of God, but the Bible says that this Christian, he listens to the word of God and he puts it into practice. What that means is this Christian prays a little bit differently than the other. This Christian says, God, I thank you. Thank you for being my provider. Thank you for, for bringing me amazing friends. Thank you for my health. But God, let your will be done and not my will. God, wherever you want to take me, even if there isn't health, God, I love you. 
Even when there aren't good friends and even when I'm still single and I'm 35, God, I still love you. Even when things don't work out according to what I would want, God, I love you. Your will be done, God, that I may be less and you may be greater. And if the trials come, God, I love you. And if the if the storms come, God, I love you. This Christian is founded on the will of God. It's not about him. It's not about her. It's about God and what he wants and God and the trials. And, and even when I'm hurting, I will boast all the more gladly because when I am weak then you are strong this Christian is all about the will of the Father this Christian is built on a strong foundation because it's all about God's will no matter what happens and, and see Jesus is our our standard Jesus set the standard for us. He is our greatest example. Yes, we can look for inspiration in godly leaders and in founders of amazing organizations and in our friends and in our leaders, but, but Jesus sets the standard of what our lives should be about and what our lives should look like. Jesus was all about the will of the Father. That's what he lived for. He says, in, let's go to John, John chapter 6, verse 38. There. John chapter 6, I'm going to read from verse 38 to 40. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will, this is what he lives for, for it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life, I will raise them up at the last day. Jesus is not living a life of, of, of pursuit of happiness. Jesus is not living a life looking for self-satisfaction or self-preservation. Jesus is not about himself. Jesus is all about the will of the Father. And he says, the will of the Father is this, that everyone that looks to the Son will believe and will have eternal life. Jesus, his whole life, his whole purpose was to bring reconciliation between the Father and his children that the Father may be glorified. That's why Jesus, he lived to serve others. He was led by this relentless compassion that no matter how tired he was, no matter how busy he was, no matter, no matter the trial, no matter if people mocked him, if people persecuted him, if people spoke bad about him, if people rejected him, Jesus was all about getting down on his knees and washing the feet of others. Jesus was all about bringing healing. Jesus was about praying for people. Jesus was about reaching the marginalized, the sidelined, the ones that, that society had rejected. Jesus was all about reaching them with the love of God. It wasn't about him. It never was about him. It was about the will of the Father so much that in that moment where he's about to die for us and for our sins, he says, God, please, if you can take this cup away from me, he was about to go through immense suffering that we don't even understand. And he says, God, if you can take this cup away from me, please do it. I don't want to go through this, but God, if it's your will, then your will be done and not mine. I will do anything. I will go anywhere for your will. And so I think that we need to rethink, rethink our, our foundation a little bit. I think COVID-19, now that we have been quarantined in our houses and our lives have been completely rearranged and it's caused all sorts of emotions and, and mostly negative emotions of feeling frustrated and feeling 
feeling hopeless and feeling sad and, and, and some people even feeling quite depressed. I think we need to go back to the foundation of what we believe our life should be about. What is the purpose? Were we living for our own will? Were we living to pursue our own plans and God was this complement that was helping us pursue our own plans and now that we can't do that, it's causing frustration and it's causing anger and sadness that we can no longer pursue our own will or are we living for the will of God? And whatever He chooses to do, however He chooses to do it, we find peace and we find joy because it's the will of God and the Bible says that whoever puts their trust in God will not be forsaken. Whoever, whoever depends on God, whoever looks to God, whoever lives for His will, will find peace and will find joy even in the trial, even in the midst of this crisis that we are living when we're living for the will of God. See, I think that, that God did something quite beautiful when He closed down the church. I remember the week that we were deciding and Ruben was downstairs in the, in, the, in the church and I was upstairs with the Lisbon Project team and we were reading all these articles about, the, about a possible quarantine, a possible state of emergency. Uh, we'd seen it in other countries and we were going back and forth. I think it was a Thursday. We were going back and forth. Do we close the church? Do we not close the church? Do we close the church? And just thinking, we can't close the church. Who closes the church? We've never closed the church. How will that look like? And we went back and forth. The team, everybody had a different opinion. I think we changed opinions every other second. When we read articles, okay, we should try. No, we shouldn't. Okay, we shouldn't. Um, but eventually we spoke and we, we decided we're going to close the church. And this was a day before the president uh, declared state of emergency. And uh, some people in our church, and, and definitely a lot of Christians in, in other churches, were not pleased with this, with this decision. They were irritated. They were frustrated. Wait, how can you close the church? And even if they weren't, frustrated or angry, they were sad, and, and we too were, were a bit sad, well, how come we're going to close church? And when we start to feel all those things, and in the midst of making this decision, what we had to do is we had to go back to the foundation, reevaluate what our belief is about what church is. What's the purpose of church? Is it about the method? Is it about us coming together on a Sunday? Is it about having the PowerPoint presentations? Is it about the order of service and doing things like we've always done? Is it about the method? Or is church about the mission? Is it about preaching the word of God, no matter how that looks like, no matter where that looks like? Is it about being the light of Jesus so that whoever looks to the Son may believe and have eternal life? Is that what the church is about and God has done an incredible thing since we closed down the church yes I miss it and I miss you dearly and I miss coming together but God has has shown his light through our church like never before yeah. we've been praying we've had 20 to 25 people pray every day since the quarantine started before we would have one prayer meeting two prayer meetings a week we'd have maybe five six people in a prayer meeting it was like whoa we're going crazy. But now it's 20 to 25 people praying and praying fervently, not just praying for their own needs, but we're praying for the needs of our friends, of our family members, of the country, of the world. It's inspiring how God is fanning our church into flame as we pursue his will and as we shine brighter. It's amazing that how God has provided and how we've seen his miracle power. I mean, the Lisbon Project, we set out, okay, we have to respond to the crisis in our community. Let, let's raise money to be able to give hampers, food hampers. And in three weeks, we raised over 18,000 euros. I mean, that is something miraculous. And, and when the Lisbon Project didn't have many more resources left, we said, no, wait a minute. 
we don't have, we can't respond to the amount of people asking for our help, but the church can. And so we started redirecting migrants and refugees directly to the church. We, we challenged you to volunteer on Friday. We had a team led by Dina and we've been able to give food hampers to migrants and refugees in the city and, and, and minister to them and, and minister the love of God that never forgets, not a single person. It's amazing to see how despite method changing, the mission continues when we reevaluate our belief system. All of a sudden we're motivated. All of a sudden we're hopeful because God is at work according to his will. Maybe not the way we would have done it, but according to the will of God and we see fruit and we see things happening and we see people drawing closer to God. And I just want to close here. Um, Paul is speaking to the church in Philippi. Oh, I was going to read off my tablet, but I'm going to go back. Let's <laughs> <laughs> be faithful. Faithful to the Bible. Okay, yeah. go to Philippians 2. I'm going to read Philippians 2, 3 to 8. Let you get there, because it's not as instant as on our phones. Philippians 2, verse 3 through 8. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Now, in a time, in good times, maybe this verse is, is hard, but it's a little easier. In hard times, that's when we, we look inward, and that's when we need our needs to be met. That's when we need to watch out for ourselves, but the Bible is still true in the bad times. And it says, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Yeah. Again, Jesus is the standard. Jesus showed us what, what living and considering others above ourselves looks like. And then it says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. See, Jesus considered us above himself. Jesus was a servant so that we could be reconciled with God. He didn't have to. He did it all willingly. See, I think there's, there's something divine about what's happening now, and, and I think the world recognizes it. In the past few weeks, we've been applauding our healthcare professionals. We've been calling them heroes. I mean, we have um, my sister is a nurse. My cousin is also a nurse. She works up in, in Porto in, in a hospital that has COVID-19 patients. And, um, and our family is so proud of them, so proud of, of what they're doing. And the world is so proud of healthcare professionals because I think they recognize something divine about what they're doing. This, this version in the NLT version, it says Jesus gave up his divine privileges. Until and he obeyed the will of the Father, even unto death for our sake, for the glory of God. See, these nurses and healthcare professionals, they're giving up their privileges. They could be at home, quarantined with their children, watching Netflix, making TikTok videos. They could be uh, homeschooling their children, spending quality time with their children. I know my sister has two kids. She could be at home, comfortable with them. But instead, these people are giving up their privileges. And they're going and putting themselves in a situation where they are serving others, where they too could be infected, even unto death. 
There is something divine about that, and we can see it, and the world can see it, and I hope that by seeing this, we're able to understand a little bit better what the heart of God looks like. That Jesus gave up his divine privileges for our sake, that we may have salvation. Mm -hmm. And so I just want us to reevaluate, go back to the foundation and all the feelings that you've been feeling, and I know I'm so far from perfect, and I fall so short. And we fall so short, all of us. But let's let's evaluate our emotions and the way that we're feeling about this quarantine. Go back to the foundation of what we believe our lives should be about. And let's realign it with the word of God. Our lives, and Jesus shows us, our lives are all about the will of the Father. That's what we were created for. For the will of the Father. That is to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, souls, and mind. And to love our neighbors or so. Yeah, uh, I totally agree when uh, Gabby shared this idea for the message today of uh, how important it is to be focused on the mission and the mission of the church. And um, uh, and at the same time, we struggle so much with our own emotions, uh, with our feelings. And uh, and obviously, we're not bad-mouthing emotions and feelings. God gave them uh, to, to us with a purpose, and they have a, a very important role in our lives. Uh, but I think you and I, we, we can all understand how many times our emotions and our feelings get in the way of godliness. And, and uh, that's, that's the biggest purpose that we have in our lives as we live with God. Um, and, and just to understand a little bit better uh, how we can understand and place our emotions and feelings in the right place as we live with God, as we are enduring such a difficult time in history that... Uh, we don't know if it's going to repeat in our lifetime, but we have to understand what, it, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus in a time like this. And the passage that really came to my mind uh, is in Mark chapter 8, and you can start opening your Bibles in Mark chapter 8. Um, and this is a, a passage that I, I think I quote every other sermon that, that I give, because it, it's such an important and crucial passage um, as we decide, as we focus our lives in following Jesus. And in Mark chapter 8, in, Jesus starts saying in verse 34, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And this is such a, a, an awakening call for us. And the first thing that we need to understand as we analyze this is, what is a disciple? Do I really want to be a disciple of Jesus? And, and being a disciple essentially means learning from a master. It means that I'm going to take in a high account what this master has to say, and I'm willing uh, to accept whatever he has to say about my life, about any other subject or topic. Um, but in order for that to happen, I need to put aside my own feelings and emotions and ideas about a subject and agree with my master so that what he has to say will create an effect in my own life. So to be a disciple of Jesus means I recognize everything that the Word of God has to say about Him. Everything that can be spoke about Jesus is true, and I need to recognize that, and I need to accept it as the truth. And at the same time, we struggle with our own ideas, we struggle with our own feelings, and the Bible says, and Jesus said, if, if you want to be my disciple, 
if, if this is what you really want, you must deny yourself. And deny yourself is, it's not about my emotions, it's not about my own ideas and dreams, but it's about what, it, what the will of God is. And this is, this is the point that many times God wants us to bring back to. And I think, as Gabby said, this is uh, the ultimate um, consequence of, of, of God allowing this, all of this to happen, is that God wants us again to come to a place that we recognize that it's all about Him, and it's not about ourselves. And everything that Jesus taught is not compatible with His self-centered life. That's, that's the reality of it. But not only that, Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So take up the cross, what does this mean? Jesus is talking about suffering, plain and simple. Taking up the cross, and cross is a symbol of suffering, is something that people were forced to do back at the time, and it would ultimately end in death. When Jesus is talking about a cross in discipleship, he is talking about suffering. Because denying ourselves, it's not going to be easy yeah. or pleasant. It's every time um, we suffer, it's because something is happening that we would wish it wouldn't be happening to us. It's about, uh, it's some things that are happening in our lives or the way that people are talking to us or something that we believe that isn't fair or whatever it is, it's because we believe we don't deserve it. It shouldn't be happening to us. And that creates this feeling of suffering, this overwhelming emotion that many times it's really hard to bear. But Jesus is saying up front, if you want to be my disciple, you need to deny yourself. And this is going to imply suffering. And not only this, but Jesus continues on saying in verse 35, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. And I think this is a very important key, a very important idea that we really hope that you will take away from the message today, is that the gospel is an invitation for a new life. It's not just a fix for you want um, a philosophy, a religion to satisfy us, to give us some peace of mind, to comfort us in hard times. If we want something that will complement whatever it is that we are uh, currently having in our lives, there's plenty of ideas, plenty of people that you can follow. You can, even without religion or philosophy, you can just open Instagram and you can follow any kind of speaker or Instagrammer or celebrity personality that in a way will make you feel better about yourself, about the way that they live their own lives. So you can try, and we can try to live our lives like that. But the, the problem is we don't just need a sense of morality or comfort when times are hard. We, we need more than just a self-help speaker. And Jesus was definitely not just a self-help speaker that was out there. Jesus is inviting us to completely rethink our lives, yeah. to really go deeper in who we are and what we are doing here on this planet. And... Um, and it, 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 he invites us to this life-changing question. Am I willing to lose my life? Are you willing to lose your life? Are you willing to surrender to God everything that society says that you are entitled to have? So losing our lives for Christ and for the gospel is not something optional in our relationship with Christ. 
And, and Jesus continues saying in verse 36, What good it is for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? And I think this is, this is such a relevant verse. Many times we look at the Bible and we, we have to go to commentaries and different books in order to understand because the Bible was written in a context. But this is a verse that I think it was really written for the times that we are living today. Because back at, at Jesus' time, I don't think there were many people that were concerned or with the desire to gain the world, except for maybe the Romans. They had an empire. They wanted to expand that empire. But most people, they lived day by day. They were, life was about survival. But nowadays, life is about fame and success and, and wealth. And life is about ourselves. And, and if, if you are able to make it, if you can only have those 50 minutes of success and fame and, and people get instant fame now with, with internet and, and TikToks and whatever it is that people are using these days. But people think that life is about that. Life is about you reaching these goals and, and people want to gain the whole world. But Jesus is saying, but if you gain the whole world, you will forfeit your soul. And Jesus is, is saying totally the opposite of what this generation is, is teaching. Living a self-centered life will inevitably end in a tragedy for our souls. So Jesus is really teaching us this. We need to forfeit the whole world in order to gain our souls. We need to say no to the world and no to those values and no to those ideas in order to, for us to gain our souls. And in verse 37, Jesus says, Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? What can we give in exchange for our souls? Because our souls are priceless. Mm -hmm. And as we think about this, many people would gladly give their souls in order to be successful, in order to have fame, in order to be wealthy. People are, many people are willing to give up on, on, completely forfeit their souls in order to achieve these things. But the consequences are right here for us all to see. The consequences, and many of them will come after life, and, and they're not going to be pleasant for people who live that way. Um, and they are willing to exchange their souls for everything that the world has for, to offer because they don't feel their souls or anything worthwhile. They don't have any value for them. But when Jesus told us, first seek the kingdom of God and its righteousness, Jesus is saying that there is worth and value not only in our souls, but in pursuing the kingdom of God. We will pursue the things that we recognize worth. We will pursue things that uh, are, are going to have an eternal impact. And obviously, there is nothing wrong and wanting to have a nice house to live in and a comfortable sofa and a car that is not breaking down every other time that you, you go on a trip and, and go, taking your wife to a nice dinner. That is not a sin in itself. But Jesus is saying, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. And, and Jesus says, everything else will fall in the right place. Everything else, God is going to take care of it if you put your focus in seeking God, seeking God's will, seeking God's will above my own ideas, my own emotions, my own dreams, my own purposes, because God 
wants to lead our lives for a cause and purposes that are greater than the ones that we could come up for ourselves. So as we, we are still dwelling in this turmoil, in this crisis, as we, we try to figure out what is, what is happening right now, allow God to redefine your priorities. Really pray intensely and, and really ask God, God, if there's anything in my life that is not allowing me to be a true disciple of Jesus, Lord, please take it away so that I can live for you, so that I can seek first your kingdom, seek first your will, instead of dwelling in emotions and feelings that are not ours to have. Instead, we're trading all of that for what God has in store for us. And this word is, is so accessible to us. This word is exactly what I believe God wants to continue to stir inside our hearts and make us true disciples of our Lord Jesus. Yeah. So as we, we're going to call Pedro and Jamil, Pedro's over there holding Jade, who woke up. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we just want to, we want to take time to reevaluate. We want to reevaluate um, what areas of our lives we were perhaps building on sand. Um, maybe there's areas in our lives where we were building on solid rock and we were listening to the word and we were reading the word and we were putting it into practice and we were surrendering those areas over to God. But maybe there's some areas in our lives that we were pursuing our own way yeah. and we were following our own plans. And by doing that, we were building a house on, a sand, on the sand. And now that the crisis has hit, perhaps we're seeing our houses fall and crumble when the winds come and when the rain falls. And so let's reevaluate our lives. And let's, let's take those things that we were pursuing or those areas that we weren't letting God completely take control. And let's, let's hand them over to God. Say, God, we, we, let's, let's do the prayer of that, of that Christian that says, God, your will be done. I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in and through me, the one who died for me and who loves me, the one who gave up his divine privileges for my sake and for the glory of God. So let's reevaluate. And, and my prayer, and our prayer is that, is that our emotions, as a result of redefining our foundational core belief system and our purpose in this earth, is that our emotions throughout this week and the next weeks may change because of it. Mm. Maybe we'll find more peace. Maybe we'll find more hope. Maybe we'll find more joy because we know that God is in control and that whatever He does, He can work all things together for the good of those who love Him. Mm. It's a battle. It's a struggle. The Bible says that our heart is, is deceiving and, um, and we're human and we will continue to feel all sorts of things, but, but let's hold firm. To Christ Jesus and let's put down our will and choose to be a disciple who takes up our cross to follow Jesus wherever he leads, whatever he wants to do because he is working for his glory and that whoever sees his son may believe and have eternal life this is a time of harvest this is a time of preaching the word of God like we've never done before this is a time for the church to, to rise up with passion and with dedication for the name of Jesus laying down our lives for the will of God. Yeah. So as we worship now, just take a moment. Take a moment to just pray and say, God, I, I don't want to pursue my will. This isn't easy, and this is difficult to be home. This is difficult 
I, my life has been completely rearranged and I don't have guarantee if I have a job anymore or not is, is I'm missing my family, my friends and I just want to be embraced and I just want to hug others and I just want to go to the beach and I just want to have freedom again even though it's hard, God, your will be done and help me be a light. Help me be fruitful for the kingdom. Help me think of others above myself. Let me not make this about me. In crisis, it's so easy to look inwards and to make everything about ourselves, but we were not called for that. We were called to lay down our lives for others, to keep giving, to keep being generous, to keep being kind and gentle for others and for the glory of God. Amen.